Denver has an air pollution problem, and the world has a climate change problem. All those fancy RTD trains should help fix that, right? If we really want to see a better city, a better world, we have to change. I'm Nathaniel Miner, host of CPR's podcast, Ghost Train. In this show, I take a deep look at how transit could fix big issues our cities are facing, if we let it. Follow Ghost Train wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick note. This episode contains strong language and a racial slur. I was actually done monitoring the parking lot, and I was standing at the crosswalk fence to the parking lot area where the crossing guards helped the kids cross. And I was talking to another mom. A woman pulls in kind of late, and I didn't really notice her at first. And finally, I realized that I'm hearing her say stuff. So I thought to myself, well, maybe she's trying to talk to me and I'm just not paying attention because I'm already interacting with someone else. Melissa Hall is a black parent in Colorado Springs. She volunteers to help monitor the parking lot at her kid's school. What you're hearing is Melissa's memory recording every single moment on that cold November afternoon in 2021 just after school ended. Nothing could prepare her for what happened next. So I kind of did what anyone would do, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, excuse me, were you trying to talk to me? I was talking to her. And she just said, I, something to the point of, I wouldn't fucking talk to you if you were the last person on the earth, or I would never fucking talk to you even if I had to, or something to that effect. So Melissa tried to ignore the woman. She wanted to stay out of the conversation. And so I was just like, okay, ignore it. You know, don't interact. And she kept talking. She went on to say, I'll fucking spit on you. I said, I understand that you're upset. I said, but there are lots of children here, and I can't have you using that kind of language around your children or other people's children. She said, I don't give a fucking shit about anybody else's goddamn kids except for my own. And so at this point, a little alarm inside of myself said, we need to get some other people out here because this is escalating. So Melissa grabbed her phone and called the office inside the school building. Melissa reached a secretary and asked them to send somebody out to help with the angry woman in the parking lot. Meanwhile, the woman who had walked across the parking lot approached another woman and hit her. So Melissa got off the phone. And I yelled, hey! You can't put your hands on people. So as I'm doing that, she's coming off of the parking area. She gets in her car. And I said, I think at that point is when I told her, hey, I'm recording you. So I start recording her. And I said, hey, you're being recorded. She tries to run me over with her car as I'm getting the phone on. So I jumped back up over the curb. Other parents are just trying to get their kids and get the heck out of there. And it's at that point that she says to me... You're being recorded. I don't care. You're just mad because I'm a fucking white. You're a fucking Did you just call me a nigger? You a fucking nigger. Angry ass That incident in the parking lot and being called that slur felt like a jolt to Melissa Hall. It caught her off guard. And to be fair, other parents showed their concerns for Melissa. 
the principal banned the woman who yelled at Melissa from stepping onto school property. But as the school year continued, the parking lot incident would come to feel like one of several moments that took a toll on Melissa. The incidents that followed came from elected officials who oversee her school district. They sought to remove policies that were designed to make schools more equitable for students like Melissa's kids. This is a story about how Melissa Hall decided to push back. I'm Joe Erickson. I spent years documenting gang violence in London. When I moved to the US, I was startled by the violence against black people here. This series is my attempt to lift the voices of those affected by systemic racism. During the 2021-2022 school year, I followed a diverse group of educators, students and parents. Using a mix of audio diaries and interviews, they share their lives, their anger and their dreams. In recent years, Americans have heard stories about their local school districts becoming battlegrounds, angry clashes at school board meetings, books removed from library shelves, discussions of critical race theory being banned from the classroom. What's missing from this conversation are the voices of black parents, teachers and students. It's time we heard their stories. This season is a tale of two school districts, both American, both in Colorado. Over four episodes, I'll introduce you to folks in Colorado Springs, District 11, and in Denver Public Schools. They're just 70 miles apart, and they share a Rocky Mountain skyline, but culturally, they might as well be on different planets. As one district works towards equity, the other district, where Melissa's kids go to school, disbanded its equity department. And teachers, students and parents of colour who I've spoken with feel like they're caught in the middle of a culture war. Episode 1, Melissa's Story. Melissa Hall is a 40-year-old African-American single mother who's lived her whole life in Colorado Springs. In September 2021, at the start of the school year, Melissa sends her four kids to school in Colorado Springs School District 11. She's a great believer in supporting her community and her local schools. You would see Melissa several times a week helping out as a school volunteer. For Melissa, family is important. And she loves her big family. I'm exhausted. I decided this year I was not going to have a birthday, so I skipped it. 
And it was marvelous. <laughs> I keep telling these kids, I'm like, it's fun to have birthdays when you're 10 and 15 and even probably 29. And then 30 comes and it's all downhill after that. I promise you, you wake up on... Throughout all the chaos of raising kids, she remains calm. Hey, seriously? Can you just talk to me? So finding a school that her kids like makes her life at home easier. I love the school my children attend. I love the community. I love the principal. I love the teachers. What excited Melissa about her kids' school was their commitment to equity policies. District 11 had a good equity department under the leadership of Superintendent Dr. Michael Thomas. Melissa saw how the equity department used resources. She liked that there were books that featured African-American voices and kids could have mental health counsellors. That's important to her. But the whole parking lot incident opened her eyes. I am always very aware that how I behave, how I interact, what I say, what I do is always a risk of being labeled angry black parent. It is a thing. And I have seen several parents of color be labeled that way um, and not have access or be pushed away or, you know, I mean, it, it's a terrible thing. I don't think parents that are not of color are kind of labeled that way. And I've seen some of the most bizarre stuff, you know, where these parents are coming in and cussing these teachers and staff out and doing the most, you know, and I'm like, if I did that and even thought of behaving that way or my my tone, my inflection of what I'm trying to say, a gesture, whatever, I mean, it would be swift. Like, you can't come here, you can't pick up your kids, you know, that'd be it. Melissa kept busy with chores and volunteering at school as a way to cope with the trauma of the parking lot attack. Like most mums, she struggles with her kids' schedule. She has one daughter in high school, one daughter in middle school, and two kids in elementary. So sometimes it's hard to keep up with them. See if I can convince them. Other times, she's fed up with her kids ignoring her. Can you guys just answer, like, two questions? One morning in January is more difficult than usual. Melissa's son complained that he wasn't feeling well. He stayed home sick. By the end of the night, I was feeling terrible. And then, of course, today I'm like, well, you know, and I'm like, nope, I got to get things done. I'm a single parent. There's no one else to fill in. And I'm going to have a long night tonight because they have an art show at the school. And that means I have to go. And the other one's going to some mentoring program at the college. So I'll just never be done till like eight or ten tonight. As a mom you quickly learn to savour those moments of me time. On a rare night in early February, all the kids were out, so Melissa looked forward to relaxing. She had just sat down in front of the TV when a friend texted her the news. In our school watch tonight, our continuing coverage on the departure of one of the top leaders of one of our area's largest school districts. D11 Superintendent Dr. Michael Thomas is parting ways with 
Dr. Thomas, the superintendent responsible for many of the things that Melissa loved about the district, was leaving. And not only that, but the school board was slowly reducing its equity program. The same equity program that put the books Melissa's kids loved in the library, the one that fostered Black History Month and Juneteenth programming. District 11 said that they planned to roll aspects of the equity work into other departments. Students, teachers and parents protested the proposed changes. And we're not going to be quiet. And we're not going to sit down until we know every child of D11 is safe. But there were parents who were delighted by the news. A spokesperson for a local chapter of a national organization called FAIR supported the change. We should not train our children in fear and distrust. FAIR urges the board to take the following steps. First, chart a new course. Reject any form of race essentialism in instruction and unequivocally advocate for one human race and universal civil rights and liberties. Two, we urge the board to thoroughly review and revise the equity policy. Eliminate race essentialist assumptions about systemic racism and group outcomes. Three, we urge you to halt the rollout of any actions based on the recently performed equity audit. And further, four, we urge you to allow for extensive... A lot of parents accused educators of embracing critical race theory, or CRT, when actually they were implementing equity. It's worth taking a second here to talk about the difference. CRT is an academic concept. The core idea looks beyond individual biases and prejudice, but focuses on systems and how discriminatory legal systems and policies are suppressing people of colour. And that's not what former superintendent Dr Michael Thomas was doing. Instead, he was promoting equity, which merely provides social and economic resources to all children. But a lot of parents, especially white parents, were conflating CRT and equity. Melissa was sick and tired of this war. So now we sit in a situation where we've now seen them. They're going to close the the equity department. Um, the, the stuff associated with that is certainly bizarre to me, too, that we've come into this situation where it's like, oh, it's not equity, it's CRT. And it's like, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. First of all, do you even know what the tenants, can you tell us any of the six tenants of CRT? What is CRT? Do you know who created it? Do you know anything about it? They can't tell you a thing, but they can tell you that for some reason it's become this new, it's, it's so bizarre. They'll tell you that it's racist. They'll tell you that equity is really CRT. And it's like, first of all, hold on there. Equity means access for everybody. It means everybody gets the same fair chance to do their best, whether it's race, whether it's um, being in the special needs department, and also stop and think about gifted and talented students. 
So it's not, you know what I mean? It's and but they really have spun this whole thing where it's like you're making our white children feel as though they're they're bad. And it's like, no, we just want all children to have the same opportunity, regardless of what it is. It could be something good that they need help with. It could be something that is a disadvantage that they need help with. But all children deserve to be respected, feel safe and have a a great opportunity to do what they can, their personal best. Melissa could see that these parents were pushing the school board in a new direction. So how does a single African-American mum convince them that they're wrong? Before she had time to react, news broke again, this time exposing two members of the board. Racially insensitive remarks by board members, those claims at the center of tonight's D11 school board meeting. Board members Jason Jorgensen and Al Loma tonight answering to a standing room only crowd of parents and students. A group of people from the neighborhood came to an open board meeting. One of them, a black man wearing a hoodie, spoke. Another black man in the group was wearing a shirt that matched the speaker's hoodie. Up until then, in District 11, it was unusual to see people of colour standing up and expressing their views in meetings like this. But here they were. The man expressed the group's concerns over the school board's lack of interest in equity issues and the impact on the African-American community. So we're here. We're here to show you that that no matter what you think you pulled off, you'll always have the answer to the real community. And it be in the best interest of everyone in power to represent us correctly from your seat. Because what you say and what you do will have consequences for you as much as it has uh, placed consequences on us. The appearance of these guys at the school board meeting apparently frightened three white women who later complained that they felt threatened by these black men. This led the new director of the school board, Al Loma, to write an email obtained by Fox 21 News. Quote, I restrained my knee-jerk reaction to jump over our counter and gangster slap him, but I let it ride. I asked the school board for a comment about this, and the long-standing board member, Julie Ott, got back to me. Julie's one of the two members who voted to keep the equity program. She's been at some tense board meetings, especially during the pandemic. But she says, this wasn't like that. The man is not threatening us. I've never felt directly threatened in a board meeting, but people who come to us angry about masking There were times when we're very glad security was sitting outside. So how did Melissa feel about Al Lorma's reaction to the women's letter? This is not okay. We have a pervasive pattern of this behavior coming from other people in our community. What do we do? How do we stop this? How do we stop this? Do I pull my kids out of this school? You know, what what do you do? I did ask Director Al Lorma to speak about recent events, but he declined to comment. Melissa 
wondered what to do. School board meetings are a difficult place to navigate if you're a parent of colour. She hardly goes to meetings because they don't seem very welcoming to people of colour. Now that other black parents are targeted with racial comments, she had doubts. For the first time, she wondered if she should change her kid's school. And I've even had to think about it with all of the incidents and situations and things that my children have faced, even in elementary school, I'm considering, do I pull them? It's a very upsetting thing, you know. This year, Melissa noticed a change during Black History Month. The school board has a policy to encourage every school in the district to observe Black History Month. But it's not required for schools to provide Black History Month education, nor continue with that programming every year. Though District 11 strives to put together programs to honour African-American contributions, sometimes school resources are stretched, especially after COVID. One school board member said academics probably took a front seat over culture. Melissa was surprised when her kids' school didn't do their normal Black History Month education. Students like 16-year-old Aisha and her 14-year-old sister, Tanisha, also noticed. Both are related to Melissa. They really didn't do anything for it. We just, they didn't like show any appreciation, you know? They just kind of like pushed it to the side. They in like school for me, they actually just do like, they give me like. I got the, my teacher gave me a Black Lives Matter pin, like a little thing for my backpack, but that was it. The last time her school observed Black History Month, Aisha's class mostly danced around the legacy of slavery. They only really talked about slavery. Yeah. And we already like went over that. And then they're like really touchy on slavery though, you know? Like they don't really like touch on the subject. They just kind of like go around it. The school's lack of vision for Black History Month leaves Aisha frustrated and disappointed. She believes it shouldn't be all about slavery, but other accomplishments like those of Harriet Tubman, whose work is recognised and will be the new face on the $20 bill. Aisha wishes the school taught her white peers and other students about how African Americans arrived in the US and how history can teach us about the present. I just wish that they would teach it in school for the other kids so they could know. Because like there's kids in my school who will get in arguments about like different slurs and stuff and they're uneducated about it. And they think they're right because like that's how they grew up. By late March, Melissa's feeling happier about the world. The long Colorado winter is finally yielding to spring. Melissa's thinking maybe there's a way that she can keep her kids in their schools. She just got back from attending an equity meeting held by a few elementary school teachers. It's mostly teachers and support staff that make up these groups. And I guess I would be like the parent representative. 
So like at the middle school, there's a lot that happens to talk about, you know, are we doing our best to engage? How are the students being, you know, taken care of? The group meets regularly and discusses how to restore equity to people's lives and help the whole community rather than one group. There's a lot of demographics. We have a marvelous person on the team that uh, has created a lot of demographics about what are the groups that are represented at our school. So everything from the different languages that are spoken, the demographics on the gifted and talented students and what students they've been able to advocate for that maybe didn't pass the initial tests, but they were able to get them tested again and get that done. As Melissa's group quietly work to improve standards for children, the District 11 school board finally made it official. On April 6, the board voted 4-2 not to fund the equity department in the 2022-23 preliminary school year budget. Some parents showed their support for this cut at the school board meeting. And I want to thank you for your service to our community. And I want to make sure you know you're backed by a large majority of your community in support of your recent decisions regarding the district's budget development. Melissa took the news of the equity program's demise personally. In her mind, this was a big part of what made her kids' school special. And on the heels of the vote, Melissa noticed that some people involved in the decisions were becoming even bolder by asserting their views publicly. One board member in particular was generating conversation for his social media posts. On May 16th, Al Lorma posted his definition of a word in bold black and white. It read, Woke is a state of awareness only achieved by those dumb enough to find injustice in everything except their own behaviour. When Melissa saw Aloma's posts, she knew in her heart something needed to change. I've been thinking about it for months and months now. I still don't have the answers. Melissa wasn't alone. At a Q&A event held by Neighbours for Education, an educator asks district leadership for guidance in a noisy meeting space. Like, I think there's a lot of fuzziness about what we're able to talk about and not at this point. And as an educator, for example, when a student is treating another student poorly with regards to LGBTQ, The educator expressed her concerns about how to address race and LGBTQ issues in the classroom. District 11 President Pa Mel Packham responded to the teacher saying, Specific policy that says no bullying, bullying on our campus. Okay. There is going to be no type of bullying that is allowed or uh, tolerated on our campus. But not everyone in the room, including Melissa, were reassured by this. For Melissa, 
Malpacan's comments were the proverbial straw that broke Melissa's back. She couldn't stay silent anymore. She had to find some sort of solution. Why are you here? Why are you organizing this uh, community event? Well, basically we're just doing this, trying to get some unity in the community, trying to uh, have a voice for the community. I mean, you know, I feel like uh, this neighborhood, this community has been overlooked for whatever reason. But I know one of the reasons is because there's no voice for us. So we just want to have a voice out here. At the end of the school year, in May 2022, Melissa joined a group called Neighbours for Education, who are putting pressure on schools to become more inclusive. Neighbours for Education had a table at this local community event. Can you act like you like take a picture? This event celebrated the joy and strength of the community, but organisers wanted to encourage people from the community to run as state representatives or for the school board. It is the residents that make a difference. And that is why we're here today, to let you know that you can make these changes in your community. If you Melissa attended the event because she thought it would encourage other parents like her to speak out. Peace in the community, and people get fed, and there's an opportunity for people to interact and visit the booths and play and enjoy music. It's been a long journey. At the beginning of the school year, Melissa couldn't imagine that she would be actively engaged in putting new people on the school board. Becoming an activist and activism was something other people did. But the actions of her school board drove her to this new place. It's hard, though, to fight for equity against a school board majority that seems dead set against it. Good grief if I could just go back in time and just enjoy the simplicity and the monotony of you know, breastfeeding a baby every hour and washing all those clothes again and doing, picking up those blocks for the 150th time. Like, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't get involved. But she did get involved. And her vision for schools is a district where children can discover how diverse communities contribute to U.S. history and the role her kids can play to shape our world. As Melissa headed into the summer break, she was concerned about the next academic year. Would anything have changed? I think at some point, somebody has to be willing to take, maybe not even responsibility, but they have to be willing to acknowledge you know, that things need to be done differently or this needs to change. Now it's the new school year. Melissa's kids are still in the same schools, but she questions whether that's the right choice. She's considering moving them in the future. Either way, this is a big year for Melissa. In 2023... Melissa and the group Neighbours for Education have the opportunity to get their people elected to the school board. But it's a big ask. Would a very red D 
deeply conservative district, vote for a candidate who embraces equity and LGBTQ issues. Well, we'll have to see. Melissa's struggles make me think about how the culture war is affecting educators in the district. Next time on Systemic, we follow an educator who opposes the public comments made by some District 11 board members about the trans community and is frightened to take her gender-fluid child to school. We're here! We're queer! Get used to it! I'm constantly on alert that I'm going to have to defend my child's existence to random people because they want to comment or say something about gay people or gay kids or trans kids or whatever. Like, I mean, just hearing myself say that, like, what the heck, man? That's next on Systemic. Hey, it's Joe. Since you listened to the whole episode, I have a quick favor to ask you. Take a moment to find Systemic from Colorado Public Radio on whatever podcast app you use and give us a like, a rating or a review. If you think the stories we're sharing are important, if you think the voices in Systemic deserve to be heard, all you have to do to help spread the word is like us, rate us or review us. It helps others find this podcast. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting podcasts from Colorado Public Radio.